The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hello, everyone, and we are back. And in the second half of this hour, we are talking about uh, how you deal with sex addiction for partners of sex addicts. My guest is Vicki Tidwell-Palmer. She is a licensed clinical social worker, certified sex addiction therapist, and somatic experiencing practitioner in Houston. And her new book is Moving Beyond Betrayal, The Five-Step Boundary Solution for Partners of Sex Addicts. She's also the author of the blog for partners, Survival Strategies for Partners of Sex Addicts at VickiTidwellPalmer.com. Welcome, Vicki. Hi, Patricia. Thanks so much for having me today. Yeah, this, this is an important book, and I know a lot of the people who have endorsed it have said that. Um, you know, find me a book for the partners of sex addicts because it's very tough to deal with. Why did you decide to write Moving Beyond Betrayal? Well, one of the things I've found in working with partners of sex addicts is that there are two things, especially early on, that are extremely important to them. The first one is self-care, and that encompasses a lot just in those two words. But the first part is self-care, and then the second part is boundaries. Because as you can imagine, there are a host of issues and challenges and risks that partners of sex addicts face that partners of other addicts don't. And so mm-hmm. what I found in working with partners is that they do need those two things, you know, immediately. And also any uh, any kind of work they may need around their trauma symptoms, which is also, I see, part of self-care. But what I found is that there's very little information about boundaries, not just for partners of sex addicts, but in the general population. There are a few books on boundaries, but there are really no books that go through a specific process of step-by-step process of how to identify and establish and maintain boundaries and also what to do when they're broken. And so mm-hmm. that's really where the inspiration for the book came from. Yeah, that's so important. One of the things I'd like to ask you, because I've seen this happen, when you are a partner of a sex addict, you know, whether it's a spouse or a lifelong partner, um, I have read that you are then labeled a co-sex addict. So, which infers to me or implies to me that you are enabling that person in some way. Can you talk about that, Vicki? Yeah, I'm really glad that you asked that question because it's a great question and it's also something that's been misunderstood, but also it has been, uh, the term has been used in a very harmful way in the past. And so terms like codependency or co-sex addiction or Mm -hmm. Mm co-addiction as it applies to sex addiction have been very problematic. 
more problematic than, for example, in Al-Anon. Al-Anon really sort of embraces the idea of co-addiction, and they embrace the idea of enabling. The reason it's much more problematic in sex addiction recovery is that the partner often blames herself or himself for the addict acting out, and it's such a personal, very intimate type of betrayal. And so in, for sex addiction therapists, I'm a certified sex addiction therapist, we do not use the term co-addict or co-sex addict any longer. We refer okay. to partners of sex addicts as, as partners of sex addicts. And we also let partners define or put, uh, you know, create their own uh, way of how they want to refer to themselves. And really, there are some um, partners who refer to themselves that way, but I leave that up to them as to how they want to describe and, and think about themselves mm-hmm. in relation to this addiction. But I, I myself do not use that term, and I think it's a very harmful term and way to mm-hmm. think about partners. Now, that's not to say that partners may not have some issues of codependency, what we think of as codependency, but I still do not use the term co-addict or co-sex addict to refer to partners as sex addicts. So very, yeah, let me ask you about um, what you see, you know, when you work with the partners of the sex addicts, are there any particular characteristics, personality types, um, traits that are in common, or is it all different? Well, do you mean that we're pre-existing or things that they experience as a result of the addiction? No, that I are think similar? no. I think part of their personality. I think yeah. I think more mm. than yeah. I would say that. Is is no, there anything? I, okay. Yeah, I, I really don't uh, because so much of their response to what happens and, and the discovery or the disclosure that they have around their own partner's sex addiction, it depends so much on their own history. It depends on their age in terms of how much life experience they've had. I'll give you an example. When I've worked with partners who have adult children who have, for example, drug addiction or alcohol addiction, and they have worked on their own um, issues of parenting that child through their own addiction, and so they have a good understanding, for example, of boundaries, their process of going through the discovery and disclosure process with the sex addict is much different than another partner that doesn't. But in terms of personality characteristics, I, I do not see anything that is consistent throughout. Um, a lot of partners of sex addicts have had um, either covert or overt sexual trauma in their family of origin history, mm-hmm. but it, it, that does not result in a certain personality trait. Mm-hmm. Very, very yeah. important. So, how does your book address recovery? Now, we're talking about a recovery, recovery for the partner of the sex addict, correct? Yeah, I don't use that term a lot. And one of the reasons why recovery tends to imply participation, to some people, participation in a 12-step community And while 12-step communities can be very helpful for partners, there are a lot of partners who've chosen not to engage in 12-step. And so I really see this as more of a healing journey with, for example, 12-step might be a component of it. Um, And a lot of partners do refer to their own recovery. I I like to just think of it um, as sort of an umbrella term of a healing journey, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Now, the, the next question, of course, is a hard one because it's about what the partner should do. I mean, what there are so many things you can do and some work and some don't. What do you do when you find out or when you sense that your partner is addicted, whether it's through porn, whether it's through an affair with, with affairs with other people? What, would, what do you do? What are the yeah, options? The, yeah, the options are, first of all, I would highly recommend that people seek out someone who understands compulsive sexual behavior or sex addiction, and they understand what it is. They also understand how to assess for it. Because there are times that people either believe that they are sex addicts or their partner may believe that they're a sex addict and there may be other issues going on. Uh, For example, one example of that might be the person may have bipolar disorder and so when they're in a manic phase of their bipolar, they may present uh, like a sex addict but they are not necessarily a sex addict. So it's really important early on, and this is really more for sex addicts that they get a good assessment, but assuming that that is the issue, that it's compulsive, it's out of control, uh, or sex addiction, the best thing to do is to immediately get some, uh, a lot of good information around what the, the issues are and also to find a community of support that includes having somebody that you can, uh, you know, get information from, like an addiction or trauma specialist who is able to do that. Do you okay? Do you feel that you can stay in the relationship um, or not, or does it again? It depends. It, it really does depend, and of course, the partners that I see, most of them do want to stay in their relationship. That's why they seek out therapy. Some partners, I'm sure, after discovery or disclosure, they they do leave the sex addict immediately. But the, the partners that I see, the vast majority of them do want to stay in and repair their marriage and. It is possible to do that. It just takes a lot of uh, time and effort and commitment on the part of both people in order to to heal and to repair all of the damage from the betrayal and the deception that happens in in relationships impacted by sex addiction. Yeah, we're going to talk about this after the break, but one of the things I want to talk about is love in here, in, in this, because many times this doesn't mean that your partner doesn't love you. Many times they really do love you. It doesn't have anything to do with love. Am I right in that assumption? I agree. I do think that sex addiction is, can be thought of as an intimacy disorder, and so there can be some issues around that whole idea about love. But, but the bottom line is I do not believe that sex addicts do what they do because they don't love their partners or because they don't they perceive their partners as not being good enough or they're deficient in some way or they're not doing something sexually with them. That is a, it's a very toxic uh, framework because then, again, going back to the co-addict label, that places the blame on the partner. And mm. I do not believe there is ever a situation in which a person's out-of-control sexual behavior is the fault of their partner. We, it, it's just a very dangerous road to go down because everybody's responsible for their own actions and their behaviors and choices. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when someone says, and I've heard this, well, you know, my partner or my spouse won't do something I want to do, so I'm going to find it on my own. You don't buy that. That, that isn't. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, well, I don't buy it because, first of all, if, if they've had a, a conversation or maybe a series of conversations with their partner and their partner truly is not open to doing, we'll just say, some sexual behavior, if that behavior, that activity is so important to them that they want to go outside the relationship, and that's the next conversation. So the next mm. conversation is like, this is a deal breaker for me, so I either need to be able to go outside this relationship so that I can do this or this relationship isn't workable for me. But to say, well, because my partner won't do this and then I'm going to, in secret, right. go do this thing that I want to do, that's essentially not relational and, and it creates a lot of damage to the relationship because of the deception and the secretiveness about it. Right, and I think, though, that that's more the norm is being secretive and not even discussing it, just feeling that your partner's not going to do this, so now you're going to go on your own, Correct. Yeah, well, and that's an interesting uh, conversation because, you know, where does that assumption come from? And it goes back to, you know, sex addiction as an intimacy disorder that this person's mm-hmm. not willing to have the conversation and right. ask for what they want, which is, by the way, pretty common for sex addicts. And sex addicts, I've seen over time, they do struggle to make requests of their partner, to tell their partner what they want, not just sexually, but in other ways. Mm. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're talking to Vicki Tidwell-Palmer. She is the author of Moving Beyond Betrayal, the five-step boundary solution for partners of sex addicts. And Vicki Tidwell-Palmer is a licensed social worker, certified sex addiction therapist, and somatic experiencing practitioner in Houston. And when we come back, we will review those five-step boundary solutions for partners of sex addicts. You're listening to The Patricia Raskin Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice, and we will be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. A wave of change is happening in our world now. A new feminine way of leadership is emerging, yet this is not about women taking over. This rise of the feminine is helping men too. Join host Gina Lazenby, award-winning businesswoman, best-selling author, and speaker on feminine wisdom as she reports on the rise of the feminine with inspiring stories of women who are coming into their own and finding their unique purpose. Tune in and join this conversation in the rise of the feminine each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. 
Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Inner Revolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. are listening to the patricia raskin show if you wish to call into our program today please call 1-866-472-5788 that number again is 1-866-472-5788 you may also send an email to patricia at patriciaraskin.com now back to the patricia raskin show hi everyone and we are back you are listening to the patricia raskin show we're here on voice america America's Voice, and my guest is Vicki Tidwell Palmer. Her book is Moving Beyond Betrayal, The Five-Step Boundary Solution for Partners of Sex Addicts, and Vicki Tidwell Palmer is a licensed social worker, certified sex addiction therapist, and somatic experiencing practitioner in Houston. Welcome back, Vicki. All right, let's talk about your five-step boundary solution for partners of sex addicts. What's step number one? Step number one goes with what we've been talking about, deception and uh, how deception impacts partners. So step one is to know and own your own reality because this is something that partners have to get regrounded in because they're, they've are they been so deceived and, and gaslighted, really. And um, most partners are familiar with that term, but gaslighting is, is essentially psychological manipulation, sometimes unconscious, to make you think that you're crazy. And it happens quite a bit in addiction. So, so the first step is that you've got to know and own your reality. And so the step walks you through a process of really knowing what your reality is because you, you have to start with that in order to move forward on the next steps and identify whatever boundaries that you want to set. Mm. All right. So that would be, so step one. Yeah, step one. And then step two is, is about getting your needs met. So, Step two is about identifying what needs you have in the relationship that aren't being met in the current situation and creating a very specific vision about what outcome you would like. And this is based on the reality that you identified in step one. And then the third step is that you've got to identify your power center. And what I mean by that is that you've got to figure out uh, whether or not you have the power to create the outcome yourself or you need to ask for help, or you might need to make a request of another person, and the request might even be of the sex addict, or you also have to know if you're powerless. And if you don't know where your power lies in relation to this situation, you can either waste a lot of time trying to make something happen that's not in your control, or you could miss an opportunity to take action around something that, you know, you have the power to take action around. And then the fourth step is creating and implementing your action plan. And so, and this is one of my favorite steps. And so based on what you identified as your power center, you either take the action or you ask for help or you make a request. And, you know, of course, if you're powerless, it might seem like there's nothing to do, but often being powerless requires a fair amount of work just in terms Mm. of coming to acceptance about it or 
you know, even praying for the willingness to let go of a particular situation. So I don't really see accepting powerlessness as like a passive thing, uh, because I'm sure most people who are interested are listening to this and who've had any experience around these kind of issues, you know that it's a process of learning how to let go. And mm-hmm. then lastly, the fifth step is that you evaluate your results. And this really is one of the more complex steps, even though it says you're just evaluating, because the truth is that a lot of times the boundaries that we try to set they are not successful for many reasons. And so, I mean, if they are, that's great. But if they're not, or if they were violated, then there are specific steps that you can take to uh, go back and either maybe make the request again or make the request clearer. There's just a lot of, this is where people get hung up a lot because they'll say, well, I, I made this boundary or I made this request, but it didn't work. And what I found is it's usually not that it didn't work. It's just that there are additional steps that haven't been taken in order to get mm. clarity and to get to a resolution of some kind, even if the resolution is I'm powerless and I need to figure out what that means for me and take the next step after that. Yeah. All right. So those are the five steps of the five-step boundary solution. What? Where do you think, Vicki, people get stuck? Which step? Yeah, there are several places people can get stuck, and even the first step, as easy as it sounds around identifying your reality, a lot of people get confused and believe that what they make up about something is the reality as opposed to the data, for example. And and this is kind of complex, but most of us don't really know how to think about what happens to us, and so something happens, and then we make up something like, well that person doesn't like me or that person, you know, whatever. There's tons of stories we make up about things. And then we go and and basically act as if what we made up is true. So that's a place that partners can get stuck. And that's why I, I really guide them through even that first step of identifying, getting clear about their reality. Another place they can get stuck is around power. Because if we believe that we have power over a situation where we really don't, we'll just waste a lot of time and make a lot of efforts trying to uh, change something or affect something in some way, and it's just not yeah. really workable. And, and the converse of that is that if we think we're powerless, but we actually have quite a bit of power, and I would say that's probably more true of partners than not. They have way more power than they realize that they do, and mm-hmm. it's really through the boundary-setting process. That's another one. And then I say step five is, you know, like I mentioned before, believing that, well, it just didn't work, or I made this request and it wasn't accepted, mm-hmm. and so... That's it, and and there's no real follow-up. So there are several places along the way, and that's why I think it's so important, not just for partners of sex addicts, but really for all people to have a clear understanding about the way boundaries work. And I do want to just mention that the five-step boundary solution is a process that anybody, regardless of being a partner of an addict or not, can use to uh, identify and establish and maintain healthy boundaries. I just, moving beyond betrayal, just happens to be Thank you. specifically written for partners of sex addicts. All right. This is terrific. How can people find your book? Well, it's available on Amazon uh, in paperback and also Kindle. And uh, that's really the easiest way to find it. You can also get it from any major bookseller in, in your area. And if they don't have it, they can order it for you. All right. What are your closing thoughts? What would you like to leave our listeners with today about moving beyond betrayal, the five-step boundary solution for partners of sex addicts? Yeah, you know what I'd really like to leave listeners with, and especially for partners of sex addicts, is 
the promise that by learning just a few simple boundary setting steps that it's absolutely possible to gain clarity, to reduce chaos, and to feel more empowered. And I also just want to add that when you master these skills, you can use them in all areas of your life. And I think that all of us realize that you know, there are boundary issues in our families, at work, and in all places in our mm-hmm. life. And so once you understand them, the skills and the tools are universal. All right. All right. So, again, um, in this wonderful book, there are going to be five boundaries, and they are solutions for partners of sex addicts. The book is Moving Beyond Betrayal by Vicki Tidwell Palmer. Thanks so much, Vicki, for coming on the program. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Patricia. I've enjoyed it. All right, stand the line for a minute. All right, folks, that wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Show right here on Voice America, America's Voice. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week. We'll be right back.